Okay, if I can have everybody go ahead and get seated, we'll, we'll get started on our September 25th Planning Commission meeting. Um, first, I'd like to have everybody stand and lead everybody in the flag salute. Follow me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, Kathy, if you'll go ahead and do roll call. Sure. Mr. Gray? Sure. Mr. Nader? Is absent. Mr. Moss? Here. Mr. Johnson? Here. Mr. Ricucci? Here. Mr. Denial? Here. Mr. Sevison is absent. Okay, we'll have EJ give us a report. Good morning, Chairman for the day and the rest of the commissioners. Uh, I have a couple of things to update you on. Uh, first thing is a community center, uh, event center ordinance. That went to the Board of Supervisors on August 26th. That was approved and they, uh, it was approved with three changes that you might want to be aware of. Uh, the private road issue, I remember we were requiring 100% of the property owner's signatures. That has been changed to two-thirds uh, of the property owner's signature. The event definition, uh, that was changed from five people that constitute an event to 20 people. And the last change that the Board of Supervisors made was the 26 events per year. Language was added uh, where it actually says uh, maybe 26 events per year or as specified by the use permit. So those are pretty uh, somewhat significant changes from what the commission approved. Uh, and those will go in effect, Karen, is that uh, I'm not sure if it was 30 days from the date that it was approved by the board. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, the Lundberg variance appeal, that also went back for uh, final consideration and the, the board uh, uh, upheld what the planning commission recommendations were at that time. As far as upcoming board meetings, uh, on October 7th, the board is uh, tentatively scheduled to uh, hear the Sheridan community plan update. So we'll be happy to get that moving along. And then for upcoming planning commission hearings, uh, there will not be an October 9th commission meeting. So you can take that off your calendar, October 9th. You said October 7th? October 9th. October 9th. But what about the Sheridan Community Plan? Oh, sorry, that's for the, that's for the, that's for the board. Board of Supervisors meeting, I'm sorry. Yeah, October 7th, the Board of Supervisors will be meeting and they're gonna consider the Sheridan plan. And then shifting over to planning commission the October 9th Planning Commission meeting will be canceled. And so the next uh, regularly scheduled meeting is gonna be October 23rd. And there's a lot, of, a lot of projects in the works right now. Some of the bigger ones are the specific plans that most of you are familiar with. Uh, Riolo Vineyard specific plan, uh, they're proposing amendments. Placer Vineyards is proposing amendments. Uh, most of these changes are focused around uh, financing and public facility, parks and open space. Uh, we're trying to get those packaged together. Uh, they may uh, come as soon as the end of October, uh, but more likely in November. Uh, the winery ordinance, uh, we had a, uh, we're gonna be having a workshop 
uh, October 26th or 23rd. Uh, right now, we've been out uh, going to all the MACs and presenting uh, what was discussed here at the Planning Commission. And then one last item, there's a map modification. It's a property down in Granite Bay in the Boulder subdivision. That's a SAE residence. Uh, we expect that to be on the October agenda as well. So with that, that's all my update. Uh, I want to remind you that the first item on your agenda is a consent item. That is a reappointment for the Wastewater Authority Board Committee. Uh, so you'll want to address that first before we get into the timed items. Okay. Any other questions? Any questions? Seeing none, thanks. Thank you. Okay, before we get to the consent item, uh, we'll go ahead and um, open it up to public comment. If anybody from the public would like to comment on any anything other than anything on today's agenda, now is your chance. Seeing no one, we'll go ahead and go to the consent item, and it's reappointment of Ken Denio to as a representative of the Wastewater Advisory Board Committee. Make the motion. Second. Okay, I guess roll call. <laughs> you, you wanted to do this, didn't you, Ken? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let, that, let the record show that was a yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll go ahead and go to our 1005 item, Willow Creek Shopping Center. Um, and yes, Jerry, you're up on that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Good morning, Commissioners. Nice drive up here in the rain. Um, the request before you today is a proposal for a new shopping center here in Auburn. Uh, the first such proposal to come through in quite some time. <laughs> I'd like to note before proceeding that you all have a copy of an errata uh, that is intended to modify two conditions of approval specific to the timing and review of improvement plans. Um, if it's approved today, the two conditions of approval would uh, contained in the errata would become binding. So the request consists of a conditional use permit to allow for construction and operation of a shopping center, a parcel map to uh, reconfigure the three existing parcels into five parcels, and that would be one parcel for each of the five structures that would comprise the shopping center. There's also a signed ordinance variance request. This is a two-part request, one to allow for multiple tenant names to appear on the freestanding monument signs, and one to allow for an increase in maximum aggregate sign area for a wall sign for the major anchor tenant. Oh, go back there. Um, relying on site-specific studies and analyses, staff prepared an initial study pursuant to CEQA. We have circulated the mitigated negative declaration for 30 days, and that document is attached to your staff report, so if you have any questions about that, feel free to ask. We have received no comments on the mitigated negative declaration. And finally, if the project is approved by your commission today, the applicant uh, team would be required to complete a design site review agreement uh, prior to submittal of the improvement plans for the project. Uh, the design review, as you're probably aware, will ensure that the project is developed consistent with any conditions of approval with the Placer County Design Guidelines 
the Auburn Bowman Community Plan uh, goals and policies and the zoning ordinance. So this is the project site. Um, it's at the northwest corner of State Route 49 and Willow Creek Drive. The site consists of three parcels that total approximately 7.3 acres. Uh, this is the site of the former Crossroads uh, Chevrolet dealership. They uh, went out of business during the economic downturn. The buildings that are shown here no longer there. They were vacant for several years before the, uh, being removed by the property owner uh, in an attempt to reduce maintenance costs for the site and uh, to prevent transient use of the buildings. Today the site contains only the parking lot and building foundation remnants and a few oak trees at the extreme uh, southeast corner of the site. So this is the proposed site plan. The five structures would be arranged around the perimeter of the site along the south, east, and north property lines. Uh, the largest building is the major anchor tenant back here at the northwest corner of the site be approximately 27,650 square feet in size. A tenant has not been identified, so <laughs> can't speak to that, uh, but it will likely be some form of a grocer. The second largest building would be a sports, um, sporting, good, sporting goods store, and uh, I think that's about, I didn't have the square footage on that one. It's contained in the staff report there, though. Uh, the third tenant is a Shops A building. This is a mixture of retail and restaurant uses. It would feature a drive-through. Comes around, uh, right around the corner over here. The fourth building is another Shops building. Again, inline tenants, restaurant, retail, mix of uses. And that would be attached to the east face of the primary, of the, of the major anchor tenant. So these ones would have windows, doors that face out to 49. And the final building, the fifth building, would be a drive-through uh, restaurant. Uh, oriented kind of parallel to 49, midway between the two buildings. Let me go back to this again, sorry. Access to the site would occur at Willow Creek over here. Uh, that site would feature full turning movements for both ingress and egress. The existing access at State Route 49 is down in this area somewhere. That's going to be relocated a couple hundred feet to the north, and this would be a restricted right-in, right-out only. The third access is an internal circulation between this parcel and the adjacent parcel to the north, and that would remain open. So the entitlements, uh, the use permit would allow for construction of a total of 65,000 square feet of shopping, shopping uh, center. Upon construction, general retail, restaurant, and service uses would be able to relocate within the shopping center without further entitlement. The parcel map is included in your packets. I don't have it referenced here. But generally, the parcels, the five parcels, are going to be configured to each encase one of the structures and a respective amount of, of shared parking lot as well. So this is the first variance request. This is the, uh, you're looking at the top here, uh, the south face of the major anchor tenant. Uh, the... Uh, Specific request is to allow for a total of 230 square feet of aggregate wall sign area. That would include the primary sign and any accessory signs they may have to advertise other goods that are, that are uh, offered there on the site. 130 square feet is the maximum allowed by ordinance, and so that's why they're requesting an increase in size. Exceeds the, exceeds the ordinance, but uh, maximum allowance. I believe that is. I believe that this, this is the increase. Okay, I just proposed. wanted to get a perspective of what it looks mm -hmm. like on the building. 
Yeah, it's not, not garish. It's just larger than what we would normally allow. So the findings for this request are relative to the orientation of that building um, and the distance from the adjacent roadways. So we'll go back to the site plan here. The visibility of this building is, uh, well, it's non-existent if you're coming southbound. Um, but if you're coming northbound, the idea is the applicant would like to have uh, motorists be able to identify this major anchor tenant before being, uh, coming up to this Willow Creek intersection. This is where they need to make a left turn to come into the site. If they get past Willow Creek, there is no left turn into here. They'd have to go all the way up to 40, uh, Bell Road, make a U-turn, come back and come in here. So that's the nature of that request. Yeah, I'll get to that next request. There is a, a, a monument sign being proposed right in this area somewhere uh, that would identify this tenant. But again, that, wall, that sign, uh, you know, advertising this distance may not be sufficient. No, no, it would have. Uh, yeah, I'll show you that exhibit in just a second here. So it's an, it's an effort to inform northbound State Route 49 motorists of the presence of a major anchor tenant before they get too far along up the road. Uh, and staff generally concurs with these findings. So the second variance request, and uh, Mickey, this is the request you're speaking of. The, these, these, this is the wall sign here, or excuse me, the freestanding tenant uh, monument sign. So the sign ordinance per currently prohibits multiple tenant names to appear on a freestanding monument sign. Uh, prefers instead to have a, a single name identifying the shopping center. Um, which most people don't go by anyway. People call this Kmart Shopping Center, not Rock Creek Shopping Center. So you'll note that Rock Creek, speaking of that one, right across the street is advertised with monument signs that also feature multiple tenant names. Um, you, some of you may remember approving that variance request back in 2007. So the findings for that request and the findings for this request are, are identical. Uh, when shopping centers design internal parking lots, uh, and that's preferred by the Auburn Bowman Community Plan, also design guidelines. The larger buildings are generally pushed to the perimeter of the site and usually further away from the major roadways. In the case of both of these shopping centers, Rock Creek and, and this proposed Willow Creek Shopping Center, uh, the major tenants are not visible from certain lines um, of travel, and so they need sufficient advertising to, allow, uh, to provide motorists with an opportunity to um, adjust and prepare for turning movements to enter the site. So again, staff concurs with these findings. So question, um, the total area of the sign, if it had one or six names on it, is the same? Right, and this one, for, whoops, for this sign, there's no request for an increase in sign area. This is the maximum 100 square feet. Um, basically, they're just looking to have more ten multiple tenant names on the sign. So the mitigated negative declaration concludes that all potential environmental impacts that could be uh, associated with the project are less than significant or would be reduced to a less than significant level with mitigation that's uh, proposed. Uh, as the project has been found to be consistent with Plaster County design guidelines, the Albert Bowman Community Plan goals and policies, the zoning ordinance and all applicable federal, state and county requirements, staff recommends approval of the conditional use permit uh, subject to the findings and the conditions of approval contained in your staff report. Uh, staff also recommends adoption of the mitigated negative declaration and the mitigation monitoring and reporting plan, uh, also subject to the findings contained in your staff report. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. It was a MAC approved unanimous. Pardon? One abstention, I think. 
One abstention, I think. But other than that, yeah. Right, one abstention. Um, didn't have enough time to review, I think, the environmental document is what she said. Any other questions? Just a wait. Conditions in here requiring revegetation and watering and stuff, are, are those going to get adjusted for drought conditions? Uh, I think that those are conditions specific to initial site disturbance if they don't happen to finish. So the idea here is a project would be constructed in a single phase, but it may not. And if it's not, but I mean that's pretty much a boilerplate condition that goes. Boilerplate condition. So if they if they construct all the improvements on the site, but they leave these pads open mm -hmm. and don't construct those buildings, those are the areas we want to see stabilized. That's the revegetation. It's not replanting with native um, trees and shrubs and things like that. No grasses. Grass. Yeah, but it calls for for irrigation of it after the fact when we're oh, trying uh, not to do that. Hard. Yeah, hard to say. I'm not sure. It's <laughs> a question for engineering, I guess. Any other questions? Did you want me to address that? Yeah, if you if you sure, could, please. Rebecca Tabor from Engineering and Surveying. I think are you talking about Condition 16 on page 15? Is that correct? The very end of that condition, which is a standard water quality BMP condition, where we speak to a first construction BMPs, um, and then we speak to permanent BMPs. And I think you're talking about at the very end. Um, BMPs shall be maintained as required to ensure effectiveness. Um, applicants shall provide for establishment of vegetation where specified by means of proper irrigation. It doesn't really apply in this case as a permanent BMP. Um, that's speaking to like a vegetated swale, if that was the treatment approach. Well, and then I was so looking here on 10. The, the applicant shall revegetate all, re all disturbed area. Revegetation undertake from April 1st to October 1st shall include regular watering to ensure adequate growth. Okay, and that's also a boilerplate, like you said. Well, exactly, and so not necessarily how it applies to this project, but it's just something I think that we need to think about. We can think about that because, you know, it, it has been a standard condition we've used for many years, but we could look at it um, internally as far as future projects. That was just my, my point, I guess. Thank you. Hey, any, any other comments? Okay, thank you, Jerry. Sure. Okay, would the applicant like to address the commission? Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, members of the commission, Marcus LaDuca, 3200 Douglas Boulevard. Pleased to be before you today with the recommendation for approval from your staff and also the unanimous recommendation of the North Auburn MAC for Best Development Group's proposal uh, on this seven-acre parcel, again, long known as the Crosswoods uh, uh, Auto Dealership, uh, for a grocery anchored shopping center um, at that corner, that northwest corner of Willow Creek and 49. The Best Development Group has successfully built and managed shopping centers in North California for over 40 years. Um, they've been wor working very diligently to make this a quality project at this entrance uh, um, to the DeWitt area and other county property here off of 49. Um, as the staff report notes, as Jerry just went through, the site's been you know, used for commercial uses for many, many years. Um, has been zoned for commercial decades before the Auburn Bowman Community Plan was adopted. And as the staff report analyzes, the project is consistent with both the community plan and also the property zoning. Um, we don't have signed tenants yet. We are in serious negotiations with a number of tenants 
um, including a grocery store, a sporting goods store, restaurants, and several other retail users to try to bring some real quality uh, tenants to serve the Auburn area. Uh, unlike, as uh, Jerry mentioned, in other many other shopping centers, not all, but many other shopping centers in North Auburn, the site plan here uh, brings four of the five buildings out to the edge of the property, so as opposed to having just a large parking area from the street and a strip commercial set back at the rear of the site, the um, uh, consistent with uh, what's recommended by the community plan, the, uh, four of the five buildings were brought out to the edge of the property. Um, the uh, major anchor um, is set back in the far northwest corner um, facing really the parking lot, um, but it, it at least is, uh, has the shop space uh, facing uh, Highway 49. Um, we've worked closely with your staff relative to uh, internal site circulation uh, on the site to make sure that works for um, both uh, vehicles, for pedestrians, truck turning movements, uh, fire, solid waste. We had to work through and uh, uh, massage that, uh, working with your staff to make sure that worked for all interested uh, perspectives relative to site circulation on a site on an irregularly shaped uh, parcel. Um, we are providing parking in excess of what's required by zoning, so there's not an issue about having inadequate parking for restaurants and those kind of things. Uh, in terms of the actual project design, we're looking at brick and stucco, um, earth tones, so different colors and textures consistent with what's around it, but at the same time not having something that's really trendy that'll go out of uh, style in a few years and you're wondering why, is, why did that ever get approved kind of thing, but more consistent with what's around it. Um, we recognize that traffic on Highway 49 is always an issue. So Best Development Group has worked uh, long and hard with not only your staff, but with Caltrans uh, relative to improve traffic safety on Highway 49 and also to accommodate future improvements that might be needed as um, the area develops. Uh, specifically, um, there is a current driveway now very close to the intersection of Willow Creek and Highway 49. It is a full access intersection, all turning movements left ins, left outs. We're proposing to move that northward by several hundred feet um, up uh, 49 and in the revised location that would be right in, right out only. So it avoids some of the conflicts of cars, um, you know, coming out left uh, as cars are heading south on 49 toward the intersection. We will just have a barrier there, you know, uh, pork chop type of design that allows right ins and right outs only. Um, on Willow Creek Drive, the main access will be full access there. Um, one of the things um, looking at was, uh, with your staff was to provide a right turn lane. Um, so even though the volumes there wouldn't warrant that necessarily now, the idea was looking in the future um, uh, that there may need to be a dual left at the Willow Creek signal. And if it's a dual left, you want to have two free receiving lanes. You don't want to have a receiving lane from the signal, from the, uh, the outside left turn, that then as people are turning right at the same time out of that, and you create possible backups and queues. And so your staff, even Caltrans commented, looking further down the road uh, as what might develop uh, elsewhere in the area to uh, create a right turn lane so that cars turning right into the shopping center get out of that main line as quickly as possible. That required additional right of way. Um, uh, with this site being fairly tight in terms of its size, um, it required pushing into the site. We lost parking. We therefore had to lose square footage on, on the building, but we think this will work uh, uh, better now on Willow Creek Drive, both at the, when the center opens and then looking 10, 20 years down the road, it will also work better. So we thought it was a, a good way to make this work and make overall circulation 
work on the site, not from so much of a traffic impact, but really from an overall circulation impact. Um, as updated by the errata sheet that uh, Jerry mentioned with the changes uh, to conditions 24 and 38, we're in agreement with all conditions of approval. We are also in agreement with all the mitigation measures and the mitigated neg deck. Uh, as, as Jerry mentioned, all the impacts uh, analyzed in the neg deck have been mitigated to a less than significant level with all the mitigation measures. Uh, in terms of timing, we frequently get asked that. Uh, we were asked it at the MAC meeting, for example, should we receive your approval today? Uh, we would immediately start uh, the engineer drawings to submit improvement plans uh, later on this year uh, with the hope to be under construction next spring. Uh, Best Development Group owns the property. They have closed on the property. They own it, and they would see that uh, initial occupancy, hopefully by the uh, winter of 2015, if not the following spring in 2016 for initial development. Um, I just want to uh, mention one thing relative to the, uh, the sign variance on the wall sign. As you can see from this angle, this is actually a good slide to show. Um, this isn't a square site. It actually comes out uh, in a trapezoidal uh, fashion. And by moving the shops to the edge, both the restaurant but also the retail shops there at the hard corner of Highway 49 and Willow Creek, you in essence, uh, as cars are coming up to the, to the traffic signal, uh, you are blocking uh, um, some view corridor toward the um, anchor tenant. By cutting off left-hand turns into the, the, the access point on 49, you have a potential situation that as cars come up, uh, and I think we, I don't know if we have that slide, if, that's, if we were able to get that onto the slide, that shows the, when you come up to that, that signal, having a larger sign, you actually can see it better uh, versus when you go, uh, if you have to go past that signal. Um, and then you realize that then you see the sign, you're at Bell Road, you have to make a U-turn because we're going to cut off those left-hand turns into the site. Um, and so we were trying to work with, in the context of that, typically we would not try to seek that kind of a variance. But it, it worked given where the major anchor is, where it's uh, facing, and also the way the, the pro property goes out toward the signal there. Um, relative to uh, the des site design and the buildings pressed to the edge of the, of the site. Uh, with that, we'd ask for your approval today of the project as presented and as conditioned by your staff. We'd be, our project team is here to answer any questions that the commission or members of the public might have, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Any questions? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I guess this is just really almost more interest, but uh, there's a new method apparently of uh, handling the water that's coming off the, in rainwater coming off the parking lots. And it goes into a filtration system. Correct. And then it's, uh, I guess it sounds like it's a big tank and then it's uh, gradually, it's treated and then just pumped into uh, other drainage. I just kind of was wondering how that works or, you know, I mean there's a maintenance that goes with it and. If I could ask uh, Chris Schulze from TSD Engineering to come up uh, yeah. to be able to address that. He uh, has worked very hard on that uh, particular issue. Okay, thank you. Yes. Mr. Chairman, Commissioners, Chris Schulze with TSD Engineering. Marcus was correct. We've worked long and hard in developing this system for storm drain out here. And right now it's not that much. It, we, we pattern this off what, similar to what Home Depot did next door. Uh, basically, on a day like today, we get rain in the parking lot, drops into the DIs. We have small diameter pipes that convey stormwater runoff to a series of large diameter uh, storm drain pipes. In this case, 48-inch 
we're looking at about 700 feet that you won't see from the surface, they're all subsurface. That water is stored in there. Then after the water is released out of that at a rate that is below uh, what we can release at mitigated flow rates, it goes into an underground vault. Uh, the vault is there to treat stormwater runoff for that first flush. Like if you were driving in here today, you probably saw some of the asphalt, the runoff, you get that white foamy stuff on there. That's exactly what we're looking to treat there. Uh, there are other pollutants that, that get treated within there. And then after the water leaves that vault treated, it's going to go into a pump station. And it, this pump station only is pumping water up maybe 10, 15 feet, discharging it into the uh, existing storm drain system. There are several pumps inside that, uh, we'll call it a pump station. Uh, I think in this, this situation we have three pumps. One's really small, so we don't, want, we don't want the big pump coming on to treat a small storm runoff event. So we have a small pump in there, we have a medium pump, and then we have a large capacity pump. And they all work independently of one another based on the rain event. And then when we get a real large, say, thunderstorm or something like that where it's inundated, all three pumps can work at the same time to move water. And then, finally, in the event that there's a power outage, uh, pumps stop working, uh, we do have a bypass pipe that will convey uh, water from the detention, the large diameter pipes, to the existing storm drain um, in an overflow type situation. And so hopefully that answers your questions. If you have anything specific, I can. It, I guess kind of what I'm curious about is uh, probably the maintenance. It sounds like these pumps work automatically, but then, uh, I mean, do you have to have an on-site engineer? Oh. And as far as the, uh, treat, I mean, the treatment of the water, I imagine most of the stuff you're going to be taking out of it is oil products. Correct. The water quality BMP vault that treats that, what I'll call that uh, white runoff that we saw this morning on our way here uh, to the commission meeting, that device gets checked twice a year. There's a maintenance agreement that's entered in with the county on that, and they will inspect it twice a year. This facility does require maintenance. It will be in the CCNRs for the, for the project. It will get maintained through that tool. The, the maintenance of the pump station will also be included in that. But the pumps that were, this is a commercial shopping center. There's going to be leaves. There's going to be trash. There's all kinds of things in there that cause these pumps to fail. If the pumps fail, that becomes more and more of an ongoing issue. So the types of pumps that we're using are specific to a commercial settings like this. Uh, no clog grinder pumps pretty much can chew through a mop head. That's probably the worst thing that can go through a pump these days uh, just because they're stringy and they like to get interwoven with the moving parts internal to the pump. And then uh, some of, since we're pumping such a short distance vertically, we can use some larger diameter uh, pipes in the pumps that'll, that'll make pumping garbage, trash, anything that may, uh, tree branch, anything that may get in there, uh, it'll pump that stuff through. They're probably grinded up to pretty much nothing, though, before it gets discharged. Okay, and so then, I guess, how does the oil, I mean, apparently the oils are going to accumulate someplace and yeah. the stuff that you're taking out. So what we're proposing on this project is what we call a contact storm vault. 
Um, it's approved in this region. It's used a lot. Uh, basically what sits in this vault are these two foot tall filters uh, based, and water will come into this vault. We'll move through the filters. The filters will catch uh, oils, uh, chemicals associated maybe with landscaping. Um, and basically it passes through these filters similar to like a, a pool filter is the best uh, analogy that I can come up with. Then that goes into a pipe and then is discharged out. That's the treatment of the first flush. So when I say first flush, it's probably the first rain event of the year, similar to today. Uh, everything's dry, comes in there, picks up those pollutants, and it passes through those filters. However, when we get a larger storm event, there's a bypass chamber in there that allows a much larger storm, storm event to pass through those filters. Those filters aren't designed to treat every storm event that happens, just kind of the smaller one where we get these pollutants that come off the asphalt surface areas in an initial rain event. Okay, I think, thank you. You bet, thank you. That's why we don't have lawyers trying to explain <laughs> those things. <laughs> okay, I guess no other questions. Thank Marcus. you, Mr. Chairman. Mm -hmm. Okay, would anybody from the public like to address this issue. Seeing none, I'll go ahead and bring it back to the commission for um, discussion or motion. Well, unless there's discussion, I'd make a motion. Okay, uh, I'd make a motion that we adopt a mitigated negative declaration and mitigated monitoring plan and approve the conditional use permit, uh, the parcel map, and the variance to allow multiple tenant names on each of the two freestanding monument signs and to allow for an increase in the maximum aggregate wall sign area from 130 square feet to 230 square feet at the south elevation of the major anchor for the Willow Creek Shopping Center project subject to the following findings uh, attached in the, uh, in the CEQ and uh, the recommended conditions for approval as well as including uh, proposed uh, changes for uh, conditions number 24 and 38 that deal with uh, with uh, the changes with the dock areas and drainage around them as well as uh, uh, the timing of the approval of the uh, improvement plans. I'll second that. Okay, I have a motion and a second. Roll call. <laughs> Aye. 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 Yes. Aye. Okay, motion passes. If anybody would wishes to appeal our finding, the time to file is 10 calendar days and the appeal fee is $546. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll go ahead on to our next item, Hilltop Center. Jerry, I guess you're up again on that. Morning, Commissioners. I'm Jerry Haas. <laughs> I'm going to make you as tired of me as my wife is. So the uh, second request for your consideration this morning is a conditional use permit that was approved by your planning commission, by this commission, 
precisely six years ago to the day. Doesn't happen that often. If we're, I'm kind of, I'm geeked about that. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes get it in the same month, but not not on the same exact day. So I'll go past that. The use permit uh, for the hilltop center entitles the three parcels out there to construct a 142-room hotel complex with accessory retail and restaurant uses. The use permit was not vested because it was approved at the onset of the 2008 economic downturn. Prior to expiration of the use permit, the applicant submitted a, requested, uh, a request for an extension of time. Pursuant to the ordinance, the zoning ordinance requirements, uh, staff prepared and distributed notices to all the neighboring property owners soliciting input uh, on the applicant's request. As we received letters of opposition to the requested extension of time, uh, the, today's hearing date was scheduled and notices were once again distributed. To reacquaint you with the site, here's an aerial. Shows the project area. Here's the location. It's these three parcels outlined in black. This is on Bowman Road, just north of Luther Road. Here's Bowman Elementary School up here. This is Mill Pond Road that uh, borders the, the, uh, the parcel uh, adjacent to the north. This is a closer image of the three subject parcels, uh, undeveloped. There's a kind of a flat area up at the top here, and there's a very steep cliff base right here along the east property line. I think it also drops off rather quickly down here, but it's not, not as steep as this area over here. This is an existing uh, sort of a shopping center, retail center. Different uses have come and gone in there. And these are two lots that have been cleared out. Once there was a modular home sales facility here. They vacated the site a few years ago. And this site's just uh, never been constructed, never been developed. So here's the approved site plan. Um, you see the three-story hotel would be constructed at the northern portion of the property, the usable portion of the property. Emergency access road would run down here to connect with Mill Pond Road. There are two separate mixed-use retail restaurant buildings and then also a separate standalone uh, restaurant facility at the south property line. Total of 244, two, excuse me, 245 parking spaces, uh, I think about 80 or so are, are proposed for underneath the structure there. So there'd be an underground parking. So uh, it's important to note that the original findings that are required to be made for approval of the project have already been made by your commission. So those are the typical findings you see for consistency with the neighborhood, uh, the community plan, the zoning ordinance, and so forth. The mitigated negative declaration was also adopted by your commission in 2008. So the Placer County Zoning Ordinance requires only three findings to be made in order to approve an extension of time request. Uh, it's not meant to reconsider the project in entirety, but really what conditions have changed between its original approval and today. So here are the three required conditions. The first one, uh, no change in conditions that would be grounds for denial of the original request. In this finding, staff evaluated the existing conditions uh, today out there on the site and in the surrounding neighborhood in comparison to what the environment was like six years ago. Largely on account of the recession, not much has changed in the area. Uh, the mobile home park was removed and a new transitional housing development is being established. Um, these are essentially the same land uses, so there's no real change in traffic patterns or in conditions with respect to that change. A new medical center has opened at the existing shopping center that's at the base of the cliff there, 
Uh, however, no new parking uh, or increase in floor area has occurred with that movement, that relocation with this new tenant. Uh, so once again, no significant changes in conditions. The second finding is relative to the applicant's attempts to pursue implementation of the project. Uh, to this end, virtually no new commercial projects have proceeded through the recession. We've seen businesses move around amongst uh, vacant spaces, but no establishment of new commercial uses. Uh, the time, this time represents the opportunity and the, the first time, excuse me, currently where we are, represents the first opportunity in the post-recession era that commercial projects in the area can, can reasonably proceed. The, so that that's, meets the intent of that finding as far as staff is concerned. The final finding requires incorporation of conditions to reflect current standards and requirements. Um, current air quality and traffic fees will be collected. They'll be updated to the current fee schedule. Current best management practices for construction uh, will be required during development of the site. So staff found really only two conditions that needed to be modified for this request. The first one notifying that, uh, that there was a hearing today that considered this request. And the last one that, gave, that would, if approved, would grant three years of time to the uh, vesting of the conditional use permit. With all this, staff has determined that the required findings of approval can be made. Your uh, packet includes three comment letters that were submitted on behalf of the applicant's request. Um, we also received a, a fourth that uh, came in, I think it's sitting on top of your desk there. Uh, I want to quickly touch on the primary issues that were raised in these comment letters. Um, first, uh, the LLC that was originally listed on the application has been suspended. However, staff required the property owner uh, to obtain authorization from all, excuse me, the agent to uh, obtain authorization from all current property owners to act as, as agent on their behalf. So we have copies of those authorization letters. You can see those. The parcels, uh, all three of the parcels are current on property taxes, on county property taxes. That was referenced in one of the comment letters. Uh, one comment letter alleges that six years should have been sufficient time to construct the project. In staff's opinion, this comment ignores the reality of the recession that we're just now emerging from. And finally, as I've already pointed out, the conditions on the site in the area are substantially the same as those that existed six years ago today. With that, staff recommends approval of the extension of time request, uh, subject to the findings and modified conditions of approval contained in your staff report. Uh, additionally, as there are no substantial changes to the project and no new information of substantial importance has been identified, uh, staff recommends that the previously adopted mitigated negative declaration is the appropriate document for the extension of time request. And with that, I can answer any questions you might have. Any questions? Okay, thank you. Okay. Would the applicant like to address the commission on this? Uh, good morning, Hospital Zorgsat. Uh, I'm the original developer on this project and continue to be. <laughs> uh, we started the project in 2003, actually, and uh, based on a recommendation of the then Economical Development Director, Mr. Ed Graves, that um, this property, if developed properly within the guidelines of the uh, the county could bring a lot of vitality to the businesses and community in Auburn uh, as a destination center. Uh, I believe uh, five other developers in the past had tried to uh, come up with different uses, anywhere from uh, 
uh, car lots to, uh, uh, I think, affordable housing units and what have you. And over 25 years, they were not able to uh, accomplish that. Uh, we were able to accomplish with working through the community a lot. We had, uh, I think, a number of MAC meetings, actually, before coming in front of Planning Commission. We reviewed all the situations and um, objections that was before to the, uh, to the previous attempts. Uh, we worked with the staff uh, diligently to uh, put in uses and project that is going to really benefit the community. So this is really a destination center um, that's going to present all that Placer County can offer to the markets and restaurants and the art galleries that we're going to put in there and also provide the, the quality um, uh, lodging that a lot of um, businesses and people in the community here uh, ask for to have uh, more than just a holiday in that we have right now. Um, the ownership team has changed over the last few years uh, somewhat. I'm, I'm still constant, <laughs> I'm still there. Um, and I think the uh, team is committed to uh, bring this to, you know, to, to, to the market and bring it to, to the community um, we just need to have the financial institutions to get rid of taking care of all the past issues and to start looking forward. So we just need the time. So commitment is there. Uh, we have conducted a number of feasibility studies ourselves through third-party organizations in the past 12 months to see if it's really feasible still economically and everything is thumbs up. Uh, we have been working with the economical development again in a county and everybody feels it's uh, still is a very valid project. <coughs> so we just need a little bit more time for financial institutions to get in line. Thank you very much. Any questions? Yeah, no questions? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, would anybody from the community like to speak on this issue? Just come up and state your name and Good morning. My name is Jamie Francis. I live at 161 Garth Lane, which is at the base of Channel Hill. We have lived, we live, have an acre there. We've lived there for 45 years. My concerns are as follows, and, and some of these have been stated already, but I'd like to restate them. I, I am just amazed that the county can consider extending this permit for three more years because Mr. Bozarzad had declared bankruptcy and since a pre previous approval and still owes the citizens of Placer County and the taxpayers over $36,000. He has not paid this back. He has had six years to do that. He has not. He owed 56000 and change, paid twenty but still owes, and it just seems incredible that you would even consider considering this because he has owed us, the taxpayers, this money for six years. And I think until he reimburses. Excuse me, that, 
Quick question. That money, I missed it when you said, what was that money owed for? The money, I believe, is owed for services rendered by the county. By the county. Okay. Thank you. Yes. And we, uh, we, we were sent letters about this project. And the first thing, one of the first things, in fact, the first things it says is that, that this gentleman is, uh, on, is he is, uh, has a request from this gentleman on behalf of the property owner Hilltop Center. Well, we all know that Hilltop Center has been suspended by the Sac Secretary of State and can no longer use that name and cannot no longer do business in California. And you have in your packet, you have all that information from the Secretary of State. We've been told that, that now it's not called that but nevertheless, we were sent letters. So this is misinformation to us. And that doesn't seem quite kosher to me. I would have thought, and, and the county knew ahead of time that this, that Hilltop LLC was no longer viable. It's been canceled. They knew ahead of time and yet didn't send out letters to the property owners and so forth saying, giving the new information. Yes, it was on the website. That was a week before this meeting. But if you knew it ahead, you should have let us know. All right. Uh, the other, other problem with this um, permit is that I think, and, and I live there, so I do know, that there have been changes in the neighborhood since the, uh, the original declaration had been made. And one of them is the new, there's a new medical center there, generates a lot of car traffic. And good, good, uh, we're glad there's somebody there. But nevertheless, it's more traffic than in 2008 when there was no medical center there. Also, as has been noted, the um, trailer park has been, is now a facility for women and children in dire need. They, these people are, have real problems, but that's not what we're addressing today. We're addressing the fact that these women and their children are, an added, are added people in that area, and these women walk their children to Bowman School. And this is more foot, this is more traffic on the road, on Bowman Road. These are my concerns, and I hope that you will deny the three-year extension. Thank you. Thank you. Would anybody else like to address this? Good morning, commissioners. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. That one or the one yeah. before? No, that one's fine. Okay. Backwards. Okay, great. Thank you. My name is Robert Shelfine. I'm an attorney who practices in Sacramento. Um, for the last 15 years, I've been representing cities and counties and their planning departments in state and federal litigation. More importantly, I'm here today because I'm the property owner of 277 Channel Hill, which I'm not sure how to use the laser, but this whole acreage right there, two acres, is my property. My wife and I bought that property in 2011 and it was a complete remodel, fixer-upper. It had been destroyed by the prior tenants. 
Uh, we paid about 190000 for it with loans to rehab the building. We did a complete remodel. Um, we have two kids, ages eight and nine, who live there. And it's now been appraised for about 435. So it, we were successful. We were able to increase the value of the property as well as the neighborhood properties. We were pretty surprised lately to get these letters that there's plans to build a 142-person, three-story building across from our house. And that instead of doing an environmental impact study, a mitigated negative declaration was pushed through, which didn't address any of the issues that currently exist out there on the ground. What you've got is a rural piece of property. It's a country setting. There's deer, there's fox, there's coyotes, there's rabbits. All those live on the property. There are Cooper's hawks. I know that was brought up in the mitigated negative declaration. There's also owls currently living on the property. And we were even more surprised to learn that uh, this builder has significant issues with even getting a project off the ground, maintaining a business, filing for bankruptcies, but continuing to try to pursue this property up on the hillside. This isn't a case where they go in and like the prior project where there's a flat piece of land, somebody's already been there, they bulldoze the buildings and they're gonna put up a new structure. This project involves removing 44,000 cubic feet of material, cubic yards of material Storing it across from our house, there's been no analysis of the dust or the debris or the particulate matter in the air that will affect our property as well as our neighbors. There's been no analysis regarding the noise levels for our property or our neighbor's property. The mitigated negative declaration instead focused on, well, will the people who stay at the hotel, will they hear traffic from my aid? It's just an inadequate review. The six acres of land there, 6.5, do contain trees. They contain some old oaks as well as pine. Those are going to be removed. They're going to bulldoze the 6.5 acres. They were talking about uh, stockpiling it across from my property. There's going to be 25,000 cubic yards of material moved, um, fill made, piles left. Nobody's looking at that issue. Nobody's looking at the noise due to construction. In the mitigated negative declaration, it was determined that those noise levels would be temporary, so they wouldn't impact anybody. The traffic, the mitigated negative declaration looks at traffic and agrees that there will be an increase on the existing roads around that property. My road, Channel Hill Road, is a dirt road. That's not county maintained. I go out there with a pick and shovel and try to rebuild it after storms. There's no discussion how it's going to impact my dirt road or my neighbor's dirt road. And we know that drivers are going to end up using it or people who stay at the hotel because they're going to miss a turnoff, go into the neighborhood, go down Channel Hill, go down Luther, try to get back to the front of the hotel entrance or to the emergency exit on Mill Pond. Now, when I looked at the mitigated negative declaration, you can't look at one of those unless you look at the general plans. And here, this mitigated negative declaration or this proposed project clearly conflicts with the general plan for the Auburn-Bowman area on multiple counts. The general plan assumes that all building sites are developed in a manner minimizing disturbance to natural terrain and vegetation and maximizing preservation of natural beauty and open space. This doesn't do that. It bulldozes the highest 
point in the Channel Hill neighborhood and places a three-story building on top of it. It also, not only will all of us in the Channel Hill neighborhood be forced to look at this eyesore up in front of our homes, but everybody across 80, I frequently, I trail run, and so I'm always looking back over at Channel Hill, and you can see the, the cell tower on top of it. Instead of seeing natural hillside, which is basically what you see from the cool area and across the middle fork of the American, what you're going to see is a, a hideous three-story hotel with the lights, the noise, the traffic, everything that goes with it. The general plan also requires that county maintain the present character of residential established areas. This proposal doesn't do that. The current neighborhood is a country setting. There's goats, there's uh, chickens, there's uh, neighbors of mine have mules and horses. It's a rural setting. While it might be close to downtown Auburn, it doesn't feel like Auburn, and that's the beauty of that neighborhood. It's very quiet, and there's a ton of animals going through there. And like the prior speaker said, everyone who has kids and they go to Bowman School, they're walking Channel Hill Road in the morning to get to the school system, or they're going around to the front of Luther and out to Bowman Road and going down to the school that way. There's nothing in the mitigated negative declaration which addresses that or the impact on those students and their families. The general plan also requires that the county preserve and maintain rural character and quality of the outlying areas. This proposal does not do that. The general plan also states that no commercial development should be permitted north of the Bowman Interchange on I-80 except as specified in this plan. Doesn't comply there. It also conflicts with the general plan's community goal, specifically goal nine, which requires the county protect the I-80 corridor, including areas along Bowman Road, to preserve existing scenic vistas of the canyon and Sierra Nevada mountain range. I get that in 2008, when this came before the planning commission, there was an economic recession going on, and probably any building sounded like good building at that time. If you could get a project going, that may benefit Placer County, it may benefit Auburn. This project, the conditions have changed since then. People could get funded. Perhaps not this gentleman in this project because his business and his proposals have issues. But somebody could possibly do some construction up there that's intelligent and sensible and fits in with the community that, that exists around it. We don't have that here. Things have changed. There's no reason to rush forward with this hotel it was brought up that this town only has a Holiday Inn. That's not true. There's next to the Akita's store, there's a hotel across 80. There's the Foothill Motel, which is in disrepair and could be rehabbed, which is basically a either transient or 290 population living in it. There's um, the Best Western, which is around the corner um, on Forest Hill Road, if you take a right across from the new Starbucks. There's multiple hotels in this area, and all of them are vacant every weekend. There's been no study of whether an additional hotel is needed in this area, and there's no reason to bulldoze the highest point in Auburn to put one at the top that's three stories without addressing the impact on the locals who live in that area as well as whether, as well as whether that's really needed in this case. I'm asking for you to, to deny the conditional permit, go back to the drawing board, at least conduct an EIR if you think that the project should go forward and consider things 
in light of the general plan for the Auburn-Bowman community, that hasn't been done at this point. Thank you. If you have any comments or have questions, I'd Well, like. I guess my, my comment, you said you bought in 2011? I did. Okay, and this was an approved project even prior to that, even though it wasn't moving forward. The, the zoning, everything's approved. I understand your feelings and probably a lot of people in the neighborhood because, uh, you know, when it was approved back, I'm hearing a lot of the same things that were gone through and stuff. But I guess my issue is, is if you buy property, you need to know what's around the property. Understood. I'm late to yeah, the game, so and I get that. I, but I thought that, here's the chance to have my voice heard well, and to try to speak out for the residents and neighbors. Mm -hmm. I, I understand that by buying the property in 2011, uh, I didn't have notice that the project was going forward. I had initially started coming to Auburn. Like I said, I lived in Sacramento, and I have a law firm down there. Um, we had friends living on Mill Pond Road. So we came into the area and would spend time with them, family parties and stuff. And I didn't know. Until I got the letter, I didn't know that the project was happening. But I understand what you're saying, Commissioner. And okay. Any questions about the neighborhood or the proposal or the project? No. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Does anybody else like to comment on this project? Seeing none, I'll close it and bring it back to the commission. Well, well I'd like to make a, make a comment. Um, I guess today we can't rehash the whole project. The project is, is still valid uh, with an extension. And the environmental impact report, to my knowledge, and from the staff's uh, comments and write-up, that uh, they feel the, the, the environmental impact is still an adequate document. So all we, all we can do today is, is not rehash everything, but say, is, is the EIR adequate? And if we want to extend this for three, three more years, we can't really, we're not starting out with a new project. I guess that's what, I mean, I understand what, what, what the people in the audience were saying, but either, either they've met the requirements that we, an extension is either valid or not, and that's it. If I could just clarify for the record what is in front of uh, the commission today. Uh, the discretionary project, if you will, for purposes of CEQA is the request for an extension at the use permit. In order to reach that discretionary permit, the Planning Commission has to determine whether staff's recommendation to rely on the previously adopted mitigated negative declaration is appropriate. Um, under CEQA, you can rely on a prior document provided there's no evidence of substantial changes or circumstances around the area with respect to the environment that would necessitate further environmental review. So the first action that you're going to be requested to make is a determination of whether reliance on that prior adopted mitigated negative declaration is appropriate. Um, the other thing I wanted to clarify for record, the, the extension request is for two years. I shall clarify oh. some more. <laughs> it's, a, it's a three year request, but that goes back from the time the permit would have previously expired in 2013. So the official expiration date is in 2016, which gives them roughly two years 
that if, if you decided to approve the EOT, two years would be left. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I apologize. Robert, I'm sorry. I've closed it off okay. to any public input at this point. Jerry, is there any issue with fees owed the county for processing this project? Yeah, what, um, what Jamie was referring to is the applicant uh, application processing fees, so staff time that was spent on the original approval. Uh, she's correct. Those fees uh, were in excess of $50,000 at the time it was approved in 2008. The applicant came back in with an extension of time request, and we said, well, let's address some of this first. It was determined that he made a, he made a payment toward those fees, got them reduced to, uh, I think she said, right around $22,000 less. Uh, the applicant then submitted a fee for the extension of time application, which we received. We figured we could proceed with that under those fees, the new fees that had been paid, but would withhold um, processing and even acceptance of the improvement plans until the remainder of the fees, past due fees, are, are paid to the county. So, so extending this aside from giving him more time to pay the fees that are due do not relieve him of that obligation in any way? Not at all, no. Thank you. And the other thing is, under under the zoning code, one of the bases to reject an application would be uh, failure to pay pro the county property taxes. And as I believe Jerry has mentioned, those we have confirmed have been paid. Go ahead. Do you have any questions? Oh. I don't really have a question. I just wanted to disclose when this project first came before the commission, uh, I reclused myself at that time because I was on the Placer County uh, Visitor Bureau, and the Visitor Bureau would have benefited from POT uh, <coughs> taxes that come from the hotel. And so I just wanted to make a statement now that I no longer am on the board of that bureau. So today I will not be reclusing myself. <coughs> I know from my time back during that, that period and stuff, I really don't see a lot of changes in the, the area. I mean, it's not significantly changed from what it was back then. When a new project comes in an area and you do an environmental review for that new project, does it take into account what is approved and not yet built? as you, you do that environmental review? Right, we look at existing plus approved. Plus, so, so when, when so, Acres of Hope was approved, this use was already factored into whatever approval or review you did for, for them, if, if you did an environmental review for them, I'm not sure. Right, no environmental review is necessary okay. there. That was if they had one, though, you would have taken into account approved projects as well as what is already built. Absolutely. When, okay, thank you. Okay, if um, no more questions or comments, somebody like to make a motion? Make a motion. <coughs> the Planning Commission approves the extension of time for the Hilltop Center subject to the following finding and modified conditions in attachment C as a secret finding. Um, don't need to read all that, but uh, for the extension of time, the no change in conditions, and we established that the applicant has been diligent in pursuing it, and that um, modified conditions have been imposed and, and updated to reflect the new standards. 
Commissioner Moss, could you clarify whether you also included in that motion uh, that you're um, relying upon the prior mitigated neck attack? Absolutely. Didn't I say that? I, I couldn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd like to include that we are relying on the previous mitigated negative deck. Second. I have a motion to second. Roll call. No. Yes. 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 Okay, motion carries. Um, if anybody would uh, like to appeal this, you have 10 calendar days to file the appeal, and the appeal fee is $546. It's... It's actually, it's, it would be a three-year extension of time that's approved, but one year has elapsed. But a, like a year is already off of it, so it's only like two more years. Until 2016, then. 2016, if it's not Mr. Chairman, can we take five Okay, we're, we're going to take a quick five-minute break and be right back. Thank you. 
Am I? No. <laughs> okay, we'll go ahead and reconvene our planning commission meeting. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Alan Bruce. Uh, the... Alan, I, I was surprised. I'm, I'm looking around for Stacy. Right, right. Yeah, I, I am on being here on her behalf. She's out of town, so I will be presenting the project. I have reviewed it and will present it. We do have the applicant here. Uh, the engineer as well as the property owner to answer any further questions too after the presentation. This particular project is in Squaw Valley. It's an existing single family residence. The location is at 940 Squaw Valley Road. It is within the Squaw Valley general plan. The zoning is limited density residential with a density factor of four bedrooms per acre. It is within the Forest Glen subdivision number two of the final map. And that's what's presented in front of you is the map modification recorded on this particular map is a 20-foot building setback. Oops, let me go back real quick. The surrounding land uses, um, you could, right here is the meadow. Here's Squaw Valley Road. This is the subject parcel. Surrounding the area is residential development. It's also LDR zoning. This is the recorded map. Um, it's demonstrating that there's a 20-foot setback at that location. The proposal is a single-story garage. It's 934 square feet. It will be seven feet from the property line. There is an eave. It will be approximately five feet from property line. Existing conditions. Uh, this is the house. It is a five-bedroom. In the Squaw Valley general plan, we do have parking spaces or three-quarter spaces per bedroom, so they need to have four parking spaces on site to meet the, the zoning. The slope on this particular property is 
pretty steep. It's a 21% slope. This is the property line right here. There is an existing retaining wall that's out in the right-of-way. And then the paved parking that the existing house has is right here. There is two parking spaces inside the garage at that location. This is the proposal and what's in front of the commission. This is the map setback. So the garage portion is right here. And when staff reviews it through the DRC, the Development Review Committee, we do look at adequate uh, line of sight as well as backup. Typically, we do look for 20 feet to edge of pavement. We're showing here on this particular plan is 27 feet to edge of pavement. There is one parking space right here that's not with the garage that meets the four parking spaces. This is the design of the garage. And that's the other side, the angle. There will be cutting into the hillside. There is a uh, environmental determination. It's categorically exempt, uh, class three, which is part of the environmental category that we're asking the planning commission to make a decision on. Existing conditions. Um, this is the existing house, the 21% slope, the access way. The proposal would be to remove this and then right here on the right-hand side, this retaining wall, which is in the right-of-way, will be removed. This gives a better angle of where the garage will be. It'll be right in here. And the applicant has informed us, uh, right now they're looking for the garage, but then eventually they'll come in with another building permit. They will remove and convert this other parking here. That, they can't have access to it with the proposal as well. This gives a better idea of the, the slope they're dealing with. And again, when they approached staff, there was concerns about sliding out into Squaw Valley Road. And they want to dig into the, the slope side there and, and have a better uh, slope down towards uh, Squaw Valley Road. The surroundings, directly to the east, there is actually another garage that's in the map setbacks. So this was, is not going to be out of the ordinary. This gives an idea as you look uh, to the west. Recent photograph with the smoke. <laughs> um, this gives a better idea of what the retaining wall will be removed right here and the garage again will be right here. Another angle. And again, for information, there is other encroachments that come in from other properties, uh, structures within that 20-foot uh, setback. So we are asking for the Planning Commission to uh, approve the project. Um, I do want to just touch real briefly on there is a letter um, that you did receive from the adjacent neighbor. And it, she is on our design site review committee as well. It did go in front of the design site review committee, which is Squaw Valley. Uh, four of the members did recommend approval on that particular project. They're looking at the materials and colors only. Our DRC, our Development Review Committee, our engineering departments reviewed it, our fire departments reviewed it, planning staff has reviewed the project, and we do feel after reviewing the letter, um, the project in front of you is adequate and meets our uh, um, conditions and as well as the code. So I have any further questions, I'd be more than happy to answer them, and again, I do have the applicant here too. Yes, it did go to the MAC. Um, Judy is on the MAC. I'm sorry, I take that back. The design site review, it did not go to the Squaw Valley MAC, no.
Yeah. See, <clears throat> I guess there was a, a question from uh, from the public there that was questioning why this isn't a variance; it's a subdivision modification. Correct. And so this actually uh, affects the whole subdivision. No, this one's very specifically for this property. Um, it would, you're making a decision only for the garage within that map setback, but it's only for this partic particular property. Okay. Uh, why not a variance? Um, it meets the exception. There's a, um, you know, for 20% or more slope, it, we have our zoning ordinance that would meet that requirement. Um, this particular one, the map modification, we're just looking for you to review it to allow that uh, encroachment within that map setback. Okay. And then uh, the existing garage, what's going to happen? Well, maybe we can ask the applicant that question. I can, if there's any other, for staff, any I'm more than happy to. Huh? Okay. Oh, well, you see, the other, other question was that I think the house next door may be the generator of the letter. And... Uh, it looks to me like their driveway doesn't isn't affected by this. No, it was reviewed. You can see from the plans. Let me go back to the site plan here. Yes, you're you're correct. And with regards to that is their driveway right here. But the you can see here is the actually back further is the property line. Um, the removal of the retaining wall will be right here and actually be wrapped around on their the Forte's property. Um, it will not affect their driveway coming in and out of their property. Okay. And could, with your pointer, can you point just, oh, about where the front of the garage would be, you know? It would be seven feet from property line. And I'm trying to, you're the one that put up Probably there. Probably back in that line of trees there. Right, is that the corner right there? So that pretty close where the face of, of it would be. So really, you're taking all those rocks out and opening it. Correct. It looks like that had a corner there. Okay. Okay. Commissioners? Uh, I'm Mark McCain-Moran. I'm with Gary Davis Group. We're the architects and engineers on the project. Um, you know, uh, the, the first and foremost, uh, we're primarily concerned about safety on this project. Um, you know, in the eastern part of the county, uh, a 21 percent slope on a driveway is a pretty dangerous situation. Uh, we don't like to even have it in the foothills. But uh, in this case, uh, the driveway, uh, we're really trying to create a better environment for our clients. And uh, Michelle Forte and her, her father, Reb, are here as well and can kind of speak to maybe the day-in and day-out usage of this. But it's been a primary concern for some time. And just to give you a real brief history on this project, we actually had uh, a previous project already approved last year that was simply a driveway modification where we swung the driveway as close to the property line and brought it up to the current parking pad and garage here. And we were only able through, uh, through, uh, through that project to understand that even with the lengthened driveway and the reconfiguration of the site, uh, we were able to hit 16%, which is still a fairly steep slope. Uh, 
we took one big step back and said we should be evaluating this more holistically. What would happen if we could get a garage down lower on the site? It's an inconvenience for my clients. They're going to be carrying groceries up and down stairs and whatnot and with uh, heavy snow removal. But uh, in the bigger picture of things, we decided it was worth pursuing. We did several studies uh, to try and site a garage on this parcel uh, and came up with this as the best solution. Let me say one of the things that was alluded to in, in Alan's report is uh, a common exception that's used with steep slope lots. We, we actually have three projects right now that we're using it on. And it does not involve a variance, but instead involves uh, showing that uh, with a steep slope lot, we can uh, safely put a garage into what would normally be considered a setback. The reason that exception doesn't apply and we're asking for the map modification is because there's a clause in the ordinance which states that this exception only applies to properties with setbacks dictated by the zone uh, that they're in, as opposed to this case where the setback line is drawn on a recorded map. That's a fairly small slice of the properties we deal with in, in eastern Placer County. So, uh, in fact, I don't have the numbers, but I know a lot of properties on Squaw Valley Road and in this community in general uh, have uh, significantly smaller or reduced setbacks because of the steep slope situation. So because of the fact that there's a recorded line on the map, we're not able to apply the exception, which would kind of be a slam dunk, to use uh, you know, a phrase, uh, we're having to go through this process. We have looked at all angles of this, and we've already gotten approval both by engineering as well as public works, looking at sight lines, looking at speed, looking at uh, the, the nature of the road and its usage, and feel very comfortable about that. In fact, uh, we would, if we were to be able to comply, to uh, use the exception that's on the books, we would be able to bring that setback up to zero, right to the property line, as long as we have the 20 feet from the traveled way to the face of the garage. We're actually putting uh, the smallest case that, there's a little bit of an angle there, but the, the smallest number is 27 feet on our project. So we're, we're already kind of compromising and pushing the garage back as far as physically possible. In addition to that, because it's a steeply sloping lot, we've got a nine-foot retaining wall along the back side of this garage. That's not an insignificant retaining wall for a residential project, and uh, honestly, quite a cost to my client. So they're already uh, you know, doing something that's uh, going to cost quite a bit more than building a garage in the flatlands. To push it further back would really involve taking the surcharge off of the existing structure and putting it into the retaining wall and increasing that retaining wall significantly in terms of engineering amount of concrete, steel, et cetera, and, and also increase the height of that wall. So while uh, we're very conscious of that, we want to find a good line where we are not only providing this amenity as requested by the property owner, but also doing it in a cost-effective and safe way for the community. And we feel like we've, we've nailed that on all these fronts. Uh, I'm not going to go through, I know that you folks received a letter from the adjacent neighbor. I'm not going to go through those items point by point, but I will uh, hit just a couple of small points just so that you're aware uh, that 
my my sense is I just want to have it on record that we don't agree with some of the concerns there. And you feel free to ask me any questions after I've finished to follow up on this because I won't hit every point. But one point is, is just the fact that uh, we had tried and looked at additional uh, designs that might work well for this property and through uh, a very diligent process have analyzed several ways to do this and have come to the conclusion that, that this is the best way to do so. Uh, second point was that there's some new information that may uh, overturn you know, our previous uh, approval at the design review committee level. Well, there really is no new information. This is the exact same project that was approved by design review committee. What had ha actually happened was there was a small error on Placer County's planning staff and it had not caught the fact that there was this recorded setback we were in a unique position of actually having permit issued and then revoked two days later, um, quite to the consternation of our client and the builder who had paid to have excavation equipment brought to the site and then paid to have it removed. And we are likely going to suffer a pretty significant uh, uh, setback and likely build next year at this point because of the encroaching season. So. It's really unfortunate that that's the way it's played out, but, uh, but we're kind of feeling like we're paying the penalty on this one. So there is no new information is, is the gist of that. This is the same project that was approved by Design Review Committee. And then um, thirdly, you know, the fact that uh, there are multiple projects, including the ones contiguous to this parcel, uh, namely uh, the Carinis to the uh, east, uh, as well as the parcel directly to the west, which have structures uh, within that 20-foot setback. So there is a precedent here, and the reality is, is on all those parcels that do not have a line drawn on a map and are simply relying on the setbacks as prescribed by the zoning uh, uh, area, well, those are all going to easily comply with the exception and wouldn't even have to go through this process, nor would they have to go through a variance process uh, at all. They would simply be checked for, uh, for uh, accuracy as far as slope, safety, and then they would be approved at, uh, at the uh, departmental level. And then lastly, the, the fact that, um, that was, was, we're a professional engineering company. We have licensed civil and professional engineers on staff. All of these numbers have been double checked, so there was a, a little bit of a question of authenticity. Have this been, has this been looked at by a licensed land surveyor? Well, we are licensed to run these calculations, and we've done so, and can confirm that these numbers are accurate. And that, in a nutshell, is what we've got. If you've got any questions, uh, there's several other items that were brought up in the letter that I could address, but I'll see if they're relevant or not. I just have one question. Um, looking at the elevations here now, that new garage structure is quite a few feet down below the existing garage level. Is there any slope from the from the road now into the garage, or is it a little bit? I mean, what is the slope now? Well, the new slope. The proposed slope will be uh, right about six percent. It depends on where you measure it across the okay. the apron. So that basically, this garage is almost down the street level then. Correct. Not quite, but okay. correct. Thank you. 
Okay, seeing but, well. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I was just kind of questioning uh, the old garage. Won't be a garage anymore. No. Well, what's happening is part of this project, we're removing not only the asphalt drive, but the asphalt parking pad directly in front. So functionally, there will be no way to get into the old garage. Um, what will happen, just to give you a, a long-term sense, uh, the Forte's plan on keeping this property in the family. This is not something they're developing and flipping. This is something that is their family home and they intend to do other projects in the future, including something to make use of that previously uh, previously used as a garage space. So while that's not part of this project, that is something I can't speak for my clients. That could be three years down the road. It could be five years down the road, but they definitely want to do something with that. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess what Somewhere I got the sense that there was four bedrooms and four parking spaces. It's five bedroom, four parking spaces, and that compliant. Five bedroom, four mm -hmm. parking spaces? Correct. That's what they have now? That, that's what they have now, correct. Okay. And well, that's, so, I'm sorry, that's what we're proposing now. It would be tough to say that's what they're providing now. They have a two-car garage that provides two spaces. Yeah. If you looked at county standards about you know adequate backup space and maneuvering room, it's actually kind of tough to even call these spaces over on the left. You can see a, a Jeep that's parked kind of around the corner here. That could probably be legitimately called a parking space. I mean, you almost have to look at it in plan and say, is there adequate maneuvering room? Unfortunately, not only is this a steep lot, but Sometimes if there are more than a couple of cars up there, they're forced to back down this driveway, which is even more hazardous. So does, does the property now have four parking spaces? I can probably show four legitimately parking-sized rectangles on the site, whether or not they're, they're well-designed to provide proper turnaround space is a different question. Mm -hmm. well, I guess what I'm really confused about is I thought I heard that uh, the plan up there requires a parking space for each bedroom? Uh, three quarters of a space per bedroom, and that is a <laughs> Olympic Valley specific Okay, so I just heard that wrong, I guess. Yeah. And so there currently are five bedrooms, or there are going to be? There currently are five bedrooms, correct. Okay. And so uh, I guess I'm just thinking this is a single family home. Mm -hmm. uh, are they going to put more bedrooms? And if they do, then how do you deal with it if uh, they need more parking spaces? Well, um, I'll answer that hypothetical question just in saying that if we were going to pull a permit in three years and we were proposing to make, say, two new bedrooms out of what's here, well, they would say, where's your parking? And they, they could adequately deny the project on that basis and not get planning approval. So uh, the, uh, am I not hearing your question correctly? I guess I haven't heard what uh, what's going to happen with the existing garage. Well, I'll tell you what's going to probably happen, and I, that the reason I'm kind of skating around this is because I'm not sure what the owners want to do with it. They've talked about making it into like a kid's space with a ping pong table for the time being, because it's you know it's a utilitarian space with a concrete floor. It's not something you're going to make into, you know the. Uh, the media room or something. But in a future project, it could be made into you know, a family room or something else. They have no intention of making it into bedrooms. But I guess what I was pointing out is if hypothetically they wanted to make it a bedroom, we would have to go and uh, 
get a building permit to do that, and at that point, the planning department would be reviewing this and saying, where's your additional parking space, and could deny it on that basis. Okay. Okay, I guess answered all the questions. Thank you. Okay. Bring it back to, or excuse me, is there anybody in the audience that would like to speak to this not seeing? Okay, come on up. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much, commissioners. I'm uh, Michelle Forte. I'm one of the three owners. Um, I own the house with my husband and my brother. And um, it's so good to be here today. Um, this has been a frustrating process, and I'm sorry that we even do have to be here to have you hear about this sort of a surprise in the last couple of weeks. But the day is here, and I'm so happy to finally be talking to you. Um, oh, um, almost my entire life, our family has owned a home, some property in Squaw Valley. And two years ago, my brother and my husband and I bought this property. And we do, as Mark said, have every intention of staying here for a long time. We already talked about what happens with the next generation. How does this divide out when we're gone? And you know, so we're we're definitely here for the long run. Um, in the fall when we bought it, I definitely underestimated that driveway. It was a fantastic place. We loved it for so many reasons. Then winter came and it became pretty apparent that uh, this was a really, really scary driveway. Um, it's short, but it's steep. I don't think that that picture does it justice when you're at the top of that driveway looking down on a snowy day and it's icy. Um, I can't speak to, of course, all the codes and all of that. I'm glad that the county team with um, Alan and Stacy and everybody else was able to really address the code questions um, along with Mark, of course. What I can speak to, though, is the more subjective question of safety. Um, I think the best thing is perhaps if I give you a, a day in the life of us waking up in the morning on, in, on a winter day. Um, most days, the driveway is completely ice in the morning. The, the window of opportunity to leave the house, for me, who is um, super scared about sliding out onto the traffic on Squaw Valley Road, the window of opportunity is between about 1 and 3 in the afternoon for me to leave, get to Truckee or Tahoe to Safeway, do what I need to do, and then get back up before it starts icing over at around 3 again, or 4, you know, depending on... The, the what day of the winter it is. Um, at night when we're leaving, it's dark and I hate to say, but the best way for us to leave our driveway at night when it's um, even the tiniest bit, bit slick is to look for headlights and then we don't see headlights, we just try to go out as quickly as we can before we see headlights, which is obviously not a safe way to do it, but that's how we have to do it because we, once we get going, we can't stop going down that driveway when it's icy. Um, <clears throat> I read the letter from uh, Judy Carini, our neighbor, and it's interesting that she raises safety as such a concern because safety is the whole reason we are here. And um, the concern about the the turn and it being a blind turn you can look back to the pictures before and see the map it's actually not a blind curve for us we can see traffic coming down 
well, certainly from Squaw Valley, but also from Highway 89. We can see the traffic. We just can't stop for it if we're sliding down our driveway. Um, I think that safety is and should remain a concern for them because they do tend to come out of their driveway pretty quickly and for, um, I don't know, but as long as we've lived there, they have used the part in front of our house as sort of a continuation of their driveway rather than coming down and, and curving out onto the street. They need to be more careful as they're leaving their space, just like we need to be careful as we leave our space. Um, the driveway on the street level is going to be perfect for us. I loved, I think it was you, Commissioner, how do I say, Rukuchi, um, asking about uh, the elevation and the degree. That's exactly why we're doing this. We have a three-year-old and a now five-year-old, and um, this is really important for our family. Um, I feel like there was something else. I, I don't want to get too sort of he said, she said, but I think that there's a frustration going on by our neighbors who have had for decades one aspect from their house, and now we're changing it, and change happens, and I'm sorry for them that this is a frustrating process, but a year from now when we have our garage built and it's safe, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. They have told us this is a beautiful design. They haven't put that in the letter to you, but it's going to happen at one point or another, um, hopefully really soon after this meeting. But um, they will be very pleased with how it looks. I know this isn't the design review committee, but I think that some of what's happening um, with, and, and just a reminder, one neighbor who has ever come to complain about this, but it's just, it's just change is happening and that's frustrating to them. So. Um, change is happening hopefully and that's very exciting to us and we will feel so much safer at our house so thank you do you guys have any questions for me before i okay what's that how long do you own the property we bought it in november of 2012. okay and we um we rent it out but we also go up okay as much as i was we just can. curious more than anything thank you yeah thank you okay anybody else in the audience Seeing no one, I'll close it off and bring it back to the commission for discussion or action. Well, I I just like to just um, Commissioner Richard there um, picked up on what was happening to the to the other garage. You know, if they're going to add more bedrooms and all that, and I think that was answered. That where would you put the parking spot? So I think that that court of they just want to put this garage there besides the safety aspect. Because they wanted to add more, more bedrooms, but according to the to the rules, they can't. And because how are you going to put another parking spot in there unless they get really creative? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, that was the only thing that kind of crossed my mind. But I I like the the idea of, of lowering that. I mean, that's um, and the elevations, although only on eight and a half by eleven, they're really clear on how far down it goes there. You know. So I think it's a good project. Yeah. I guess one other question, Alan, because they, they say, you know, it has that 20-foot setback strip, but if there's no setback strip, then it's 20 feet from edge of pavement. Is that sort of property line or? In setback to structures is 20 feet typically in the Sierras there. 
And as Mark was indicating, which staff does all the time, there's a, an exception to that on the slope of the property. And we can exempt it, staff can, at the building department level. Um, but you still have to maintain 20 feet 20 from edge feet, of pavement. Yeah. Correct. And they're showing 27 feet as their minimum. They do show more than that in other cases. So they do exceed that. Okay, thank you. Okay. Well, I'd, uh, make a motion that the uh, Planning Commission finds this project categorically exempt from review under CEQA. Well, let me see. Yeah. Uh, recommend that, I, that the, the Planning Commission uh, approve the subdivision modification to allow for a seven foot setback measured from the property line in order to allow construction of garage and covered entry feature to be accessory to the existing residence subject to the following findings and attached uh, recommended conditions for approval. And the findings are CEQ findings and, uh, and the subdivision modification. Commissioner Johnson, just to clarify your motion, it's not a recommendation, it's actually a motion yeah. for final action. Yeah, I, I got a little confused here. <laughs> just like what a, he said. Uh, motion. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll second that. Okay, have a motion to second. Roll call. Aye. Aye. Yes. Yes. Okay, and if anybody should uh, wish to appeal this, they have 10 calendar days, and the appeal fee is 500 and my glasses on, $546. They're saying it three times. You'd think I'd know it by now. <laughs> it changes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for coming. Confused. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming.